Welcome to the Skyda Softball Podcast. Your host, Matt Scott, will be interviewing players from past events and future events. And now, your host, Matt Scott. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is that time again for another episode of the Skyda Softball Podcast. And on this episode, we are talking with the first ever women's home run derby winner. She is a gold medalist in the Pan American Games back in 2015. And she'll be coming again this year on October 9th. Miss Anna Kimbrell. Anna, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Anna, one of the things we I usually try to ask the every guest we have on is the their, their recruitment process. You know, you were recruited to go play college softball, and I believe you played at UAB. And so my question for you is, what was that recruitment process like for you, and what advice would you give for those listening that may be starting their own recruitment process? <laughs> I had kind of a weird – recruitment process as far as going to college. Um, so I made the U.S. Women's National Baseball Team uh, sponsored by USA Baseball in 2008. And at the time, I was listed as a pitcher and a catcher. Um, my pitching coach was actually the head softball coach at Sanford University in Birmingham. And um, she recruited me to play softball at Sanford because I had no I mean I had I had two baseball opportunities to go and play in college but they were both pretty far from home um so my dad and I went on a visit to Sanford and I spoke with Beanie who was my coach and um I liked it there all right so <laughs> the funny thing is I didn't I didn't really know anything about the recruitment process or what I needed to do. So literally, I think it was like May, like close to the end of May, like I want to say like May 20th or something, like school got out like May 24th or whatever, you know, right before Memorial Day weekend. Um, So I'm sitting in class and the guidance counselors call me out. They're like, hey, we need Anna to come to the guidance office. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I get up there. And they're like, hey, Sanford's calling us. They're wanting to know if you're going to school there or not. I said, well, yeah, I guess so. So that was my recruitment and commitment to play college ball. Um, like I said, it was a little weird, a little, little unorthodox, out of the ordinary, but it worked out. And um, I played at Sanford University for a year and a half, and I transferred after – uh, halfway through my sophomore year to UAB in Birmingham as well. So. Let's talk about the uh, Team USA stuff. What, what was that experience like for you just getting a chance to play for your country? Um, there's really no greater feeling, no greater experience that I could ever describe. Um, you know, I've been lucky and very blessed to be able to play for our country since 2008. Um, and if you think about it, it's 2021. So it's, it's been a, a pretty great ride. I've really enjoyed it. Um, USA baseball and, 
in the baseball world has been great to me. Um, there's, there's really just no feelings or emotions or anything that I can put into words when you're standing on the white lines, uh, listening to your national anthem in another country with USA across your chest. Um, the Olympics are going on right now. So it's, I'm, I'm always watching the Olympics and it gets me amped up because, I mean, there, you, you just can't describe how you feel when you're in that moment. And I just think it's super cool to be able to go overseas and be able to play something, a sport that you love and enjoy and uh, not only represent your family or your local community, but your entire country. Um, and you, you carry that with you, you know, like you're not just, you're not just representing something small. It's, it's much, much bigger than, than anything, you know, you could ever imagine. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, you look back on, I'm sure you could, you would have never thought you'd have that opportunity. And it's amazing to hear that. And, one, one of the other questions I'm curious to know is, was there a favorite country that you enjoyed visiting while doing the Team USA stuff? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been very blessed and lucky to be able to, to travel to many different countries with Team USA. Um, I would say, as far as traveling with USA Baseball, um, my top two countries to play in are probably Japan, for one, and then um, this will probably come as a shock to some, but Venezuela was a blast to play in. Um, and, and both of those, mostly because, like, the night that we play the host country, we play in front of, you know, thirteen or 14,000 fans. 1,400,000 or 14,000, I'm sorry fans and that's pretty incredible because like we had the world cup at home mm -hmm. and you know we would do good to host or have like 400 fans in the stands i don't even think we had that many when we played here um and it's just crazy you go to these other countries and they're bringing that many fans in and there's that many people that know and are wanting to be involved in women's baseball in some way, shape, or form, whether they're bringing their little girls to come watch or, you know, whether they're just fans of baseball and they just want to watch the game. Right. It's, you know, quite a unique experience because you don't really get that here in the U.S. Um, and I think a lot of that is just lack of awareness because a lot of people just don't know that there's women's baseball here, um, which is unfortunate, but – I think we're still in the process now of spreading the word and sharing, you know, this is a thing. There is women's baseball. Yes. It's the same as the men's like 60 foot, six inch mound, 90 foot bases, um, full size field, 400 foot fences, whatever. Um, and it's just that education right now, but hopefully one day we can get more Americans educated in that and, and be able to to spread the awareness better and hopefully one day we'll be like the, you know the women's soccer team who has however many thousands of followers you know um but aside from usa baseball i think my second or 
Uh, it might be my most favorite baseball memory was playing in Australia. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to go over and live there for eight months and play baseball there. Um, and I played with both the men's and women's team. So that was kind of separate from USA Baseball, but still a great baseball experience. Yeah, and, and ironically enough, that's going to be the next question. You kind of read my mind there. So, but my thing is, and well, you talk about playing in those countries and baseball in those countries. It's like a religion to go out and watch baseball. You know, in the in Venezuela and the Australias, and I think you know what you've accomplished. That's that speaks volumes about what you're trying to do for getting women's baseball more exposure. And I think you know playing in you know, those types of countries, it, de it definitely puts the, the name out there. And that's always a good start. And I'm, and me personally, from knowing you, that's something I actually look forward to watch, you know, continuing to grow and develop. And who knows, maybe you'll be one of the head coaches for a Team USA in the future. <laughs> maybe so. I hope I still have a couple of years of playing left in my, in my no, body. I, mean, I was going down the road <laughs> once you hang it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe a couple more years and then we'll see about the coaching spectrum but um yeah you know eventually I think it'd be great to to coach and I already enjoy a little bit of that right now um this past spring I coached a 13 under team and you know we had our ups and downs but I loved it I, I loved watching the kids play and grow and develop so that's all part of it and, and part of spreading the game and you know sharing your knowledge and that's what it's all about. Yeah, I think one of the, you know, you talk about coaching a 13U team, correct me if I'm wrong, you also, you're also trying to do your own, I guess you want to call it brand, brand of, you know, similar to Benji Johnson, you know, over at Benji Johnson Catching. So talk a little bit about that. What, what's gotten you into, you know, just trying to, you know, get back to the game? Well, you know, I tend to have a lot of irons in the fire <laughs> very often. <laughs> but um, so I've always I've always given catching lessons outside of my day job. Um, I wish that baseball was my day job and I, that I could do it all day, every day. But something's got to pay the bills. So, um, you know, I've, I have my regular nine to five, if you if that's what you want to call it. Um, and then outside of that, like you were talking about um, I give lessons and I'm trying to build a brand um, AK9 catching um, it's just I've always loved giving back I've loved being able to help kids learn things new and uh, or learn new things and be able to expand their game and you know there's a lot of things that I didn't really realize until I was in college or or a little bit older that now I'm like, man, I wish I knew that when I was 13 years old. Yeah. And you know, you know, I might have had coaches that were trying to tell me these things when I was 13 years old that I just didn't think about, or I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. And it was just over my head or, or whatever. Maybe they didn't explain it to me very well, but I think that's like a big part of what I want to do is I, I just want to help these kids learn and grow and, better their game and you know I hope that most of them can have careers that are are much bigger and better than mine you know like I've I've done all right I've I've done quite a few cool things but 
I hope that I can help someone excel to greater things than I've ever imagined or could could ever imagine. Well, I think you talk about those cool things you've accomplished. You know, they're 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 definitely very cool. You know, for a baseball fan's opinion, you know, like myself, you know, and you're definitely giving that knowledge for what you're, you know, for what I've been, you know, hearing. And my question is, you know, Jordan Danks, we had him on a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him what's his one bit of advice when he gives baseball lessons. And he says, whether you go 0 for 4 or 4 for 4, be that same person. And so my question is, what's one piece of advice you try to give these kids already? probably about the same thing you know like you always want to be that same person but I know personally for me I'm just always trying to to teach kids to just learn something new and be better um and and leave everything better than what you found it you know like if you see a piece of trash pick it up leave that place better than you found it or you know if you have a teammate that's having a bad day pick them up help them have a better day um you know, stuff like that, I think is important because we can all leave our mark in some way, shape or form. And if we're helping somebody feel better, or if we're leaving our environment better, then that's all that we can ask for. Because it's, it's not just about us, it's about the future generations that are coming. Yeah, and I think that's definitely one thing I that, you know, I try to I've done a tidbit of coaching here and there and just, you know, here at, in Kershaw and Andrew Jackson, some of the guys still recognize me as alumni and they ask me for my feedback. And I always try to tell them, you know, the stuff that, you know, people like you or Danks try to give the, the younger kids as well. Because, you know, when you're in that high school stage, some of them, they may not be going past high school and, you know, going to that college stage and, you know, they just try to think, what, what do we do after this? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, at some point, everybody's career is going to end, right? But it's, it's not just about the impact that you have on their life, but like the impact that you have on, or, you know, like their game and, and their life and, and everything else. That's what it's all about. You know, if you can can change somebody's life by one small thing, then that will carry over forever. And I think that's important because, you know, I mean, I, something may seem small to me, but to someone who is a kid and is learning something new or is maybe a kid's having a bad day or something like that. I, if I say one nice thing to them or help pick them up or help, a, a, help pick a teammate up, and that could carry over forever with them and resonate with them. And I think that's important. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing me and you both can probably agree on it's, you know, once, whether you hang them up when, you know, when you're in high school or, or, for, you know, later on down the, down the line, you can always find ways to help impact your, you know, help make an impact in your community. And we uh, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, absolutely. I mean, there's always a way that you can can leave a legacy and, and make an impact on someone. And from my from my tidbit of experience, you know, once I finished up playing high school baseball, you know, baseball the 
the game was done with me, but I still found ways to, you know, still be involved and still trying to, you know, make an impact for, through for kids. And, uh, you know, with the softball event, like I knew I, I could still, you know, feel that feel young putting this softball game on together and just trying to help, you know, others. And then, you know, when it comes to inviting the players, you know, like you, Kyle Farnsworth, Benji, you know, all those guys, you know, they 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 feel they feel like they're that they're the player they used to be when they come out there, in, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, I just think it's great that y'all that you do this this game to help support these kids and um, raise money and raise awareness. You know, that's what it's all about, and. I think it's super cool. Every every year I've been back, it's been good to to meet up with everybody and get to see Benji and you know some of the guys that have been there for a few years. And um, I don't know. I just think it's awesome. I've really enjoyed it, and I appreciate you putting it on. And, and you know, I, and I always appreciate the compliments, but you, it's uh, it's a little bit of a long process. You know, it's crazy to think it's going on eight years now. You know. Back when I was in high school, you know, the first one we put on, we had about maybe 25 people come out. That's players, helpers, you know, whoever you can think of. I'm thinking this might not last, but all of a sudden, you know, it's like once 2015 and 16 hit, we hit a huge stride you know, right. in, in numbers. And, pe you know, the people that come out to play or the people that want to, support it however they can or they donate something and, you know one one of the stories that still kind of sticks out with me is I know you're a Yankees fan but one time uh my dad did a little running for me he was in Columbia and Dale Murphy who played longtime Braves outfielder was in Columbia doing an appearance and so he went up you know try to get something for the auction next thing you know he hands him my little business card and he says oh yeah I've heard of this and when my dad told me that I said you're lying I said there's no way he said that you know but I was like no he was serious I'm kind of like Dale Murphy out of all people have heard of us so it's definitely you know mind-blowing to see how far this thing has come I think it's the the old expression in field of dreams if you build it they'll come that's right so we're going I want to take one step back to team the Team USA experience. Aside from winning the gold medals and you know all your medals, what's what was what would you have to say is your fa favorite moment outside you know outside winning the medals and uh, being with Team USA? Oh man, <laughs> there's so many. Um, we got I don't know. <laughs> there's there's so many pranks that we pulled on each other and just all the the goofiness that ensues you know with a team sport um you know you've got some players who are, are cool with joking around and then you've got some who take a little more to heart and um I don't know I mean I we just for us it's we're only we only get together a handful of times a year right so it's not like your typical sports team where we get together and we travel for three months together or five months or six months it's like on a world cup year 
um, literally from, so we might have tryouts that last a couple days and then we have trials that last a few more days. And then depending on how it's set up, we could go straight from trials to the world cup. And so all that being said, that's, you basically get three weeks together. So if our world cup is every two years on the even years, as it has been, like you're only getting three weeks of, of your year together every two years to be able to make these memories and stuff. And while we've had a lot of success as far as like playing well together and stuff like that, I think that a lot of that success also comes off the field. Like I said, like we play jokes on each other and everybody hangs out and plays cards. I'm not much of a card player, but I'll go in and hang out with them sometimes or give, give the card group a hard time because that's what I do. Um, you know, but like it's things like that, that, that carry on through the years. And so like I was saying, we may not play together every single year or we may not be at a World Cup every year, but it's like those little jokes and those inside things that happen, they always come back. And aside from winning the medals and, and winning games together and all that sort of stuff, I think that's probably some of the best parts of being a part of Team USA. Yeah, I always, you know, listen to – plenty of stories and the one thing I basically put out of you know understanding all of it is team chemistry is such a huge thing no doubt I mean that's a big part of every team and I think for us it's even more important because like I said we don't see each other every year for six months you know or we aren't together all the time uh, I mean we you've you think about it, we're a national team. So like there's me and then maybe three or four others from the Southeast that we try to get together, especially on like a big year where we have a world cup or something coming up. We'll try to get together on, on weekends and train together. Um, but you know, like that's, that's just us in the Southeast, not to mention, you know, I have teammates that live in Boston and I have teammates that live in California. I've got teammates that live in, in Texas and Louisiana and they don't get to come to our little training sessions, but sometimes they'll have their own little groups. But when we get together, it's gotta be spot on, you know, we've gotta be ready to go. And I think that like you were saying, team chemistry is just, it's such a big thing. And, and luckily for us, we have about the same core group that plays together. Um, pretty regularly like for world cups and we've got the same group that's been on the team for a couple of years now. And that's, I think what's really kind of carried us through because we all relate to each other. We know about how each other plays. And even if we don't play with each other, that's, you know, within a year or whatever, it just, everybody just picks right back up and we're back on the same page. You know, sometimes it takes us a day or two to get back clicking. Right. But once we start clicking, it's on from there. Yeah, and that, that thing, that's definitely one of the things, we, you know, when, when younger guys ask me what's one thing of advice, it's always try to build good team chemistry because that goes a long way. Like, you know, you really nailed it, you know, the, the topic there. And 
because team good team chemistry that always helps you know the picking each other up and playing for you know the 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 name whatever the name may be on your chest or anything like that absolutely so me and you talk about this personally but for those listening at home you are actually a member of the grounds crew at the old Charlotte Knight Stadium. <laughs> yep. I kind of I kind of have to talk a little bit about this, so don't <laughs> don't shoot me here. But uh, you know, you you're you're from Fort Mill, and you know, being able to go work at that at the old Knight Stadium, you know, what was it? What was what was it like just working at the old Knight Stadium? <laughs> Oh, man. I had so many good times at the old stadium in Fort Mill. Um, you know, for one, I grew up going to games there. And I just always thought it was the coolest thing ever, being a baseball kid growing up and, and being a baseball fan, obviously. It's just – that's what every kid wants, right, is to be able to go to a minor league game or a big league game in their hometown. Um so one, I grew up there, but two, when I, w- I turned 15, I, my brother had already worked there previously on the grounds crew. So I knew the head groundskeeper, Eddie Busquet, and um, I actually saw him at, uh, it, was, it was high school baseball tryouts. Um, I must have been a freshman. I don't know what they were doing at the field, but they, Eddie started his own business, and um, I don't know if I don't know if they were working on the field or what they were doing, but I told him that I wanted a job. He was like a little reluctant at first. He said, well, you know, I, you know, I've only ever had one girl on the grounds crew and that was his wife at that point in time. And um, he was like, if I have any problems, that's it. You're done. I was like, all right, whatever. So um, anyways, I got a job there and I loved it, right, from the start. I mean, we had our our moments where I got yelled at and fussed at for, for not doing something right. But that's that's pretty typical for a 15-year-old kid, right, or 15 or 16. Um, you know, first job, first time, really being on, like, a professional field, like not knowing the full ropes yet um, and how particular head groundskeepers can be. Uh, but I will learn quickly. And I really enjoyed it because I had the opportunity to talk to players who were where I wanted to be, you know. It's every kid's dream to be in the big leagues or, or close to that, you know. And um, I just loved it. I, I would get to sit there and watch batting practice. I'd get to watch them whenever they did infield, outfield before the games. Um, I learned so many things like how to build a mound. Um, what dimensions like height wise and why things are this way or um, different grass types. And I, I mean, it just, there's a whole list of things that I learned from working on the grounds crew. And, you know, it seems like why would anybody ever want to do that job? But I can tell you right now, if you're a baseball fan and you just love it, like it's hard work, but to me it was worth it. Cause like I said, I got the experience to sit around with, um, Alejandro Deaza was one player that sticks out in my mind. He made it up to the White Sox for 
um, a little while. And, and Josh Fegley, he came through Charlotte and I got to hang out with him. And um, I have one of Tyler Flowers' old gloves. Uh, I asked him for a catcher's mitt and I, I told him I would pay him for it. But, um, you know, he was kind enough to actually not even ask for a dollar for it. And, um, you know, different things like that that I'll remember forever in my career. And, like, I can tell people, hey, this, this dude was cool or this dude, he was kind of a jerk. And, you know, I, I, it was just a great experience for me because I could sit there and I could talk baseball with these dudes and they didn't care if I was a guy or a girl or anything, you know. Like, they just – they were there to play ball and I just thought it was super cool. Um, so I, I lived it up. I enjoyed it. I uh, worked for the Knights for nine years. And um, funny story, actually, in 2015, we got to run out with the Yankees at Yankee Stadium before the Pan Am Games. And I had no idea that uh, Fegs and Marcus Simeon were playing for the A's at that point in time. Um, so I reached – well, we ran out with the Yankees. They did the national anthem, which was super cool. And then we were running off the field after the anthem. And, like, halfway through the game, or not even halfway, like a couple innings into the game, I realized that Fegs and Simeon were playing with the A's. So I messaged Fegs, and I was like, dude, I had no idea. And he, he responded back to me. He was like, we were screaming at you, trying to get you to come over and say hey to us, but you didn't even hear us. So it, like, all came full circle at that point because – you know, like, what are the odds that that happens and it's somebody you know and I don't know. What are the odds that you have a big league baseball player yelling at you because they see you? I just thought it was the coolest thing. And unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to them that night. But, um, you know, it was still a Charlotte connection that I thought was super yeah. cool. Yeah, I think one of the Charlotte connections for me was uh, you probably remember Torres, right, Carlos? Yep. Because once he came, he finally came back, and I know he played with the Rockies in 2012, but then 2013, he signed on with the Mets, and I just kind of kept track with him, you know, throughout the year. Then it was like the day after Labor Day, the day, literally two days after the old stadium had closed, we, my parent, you know, I got back from school, my you know, both my parents are like, get in the car. We're going to go see Carlos in Atlanta. And that was the first time in three years, you know, at that time was the first time we got to see him. You know, we, we stood there, we talked, and he, he was pointing me out to, you know, guys like Zach Wheeler, uh, things like that. Where it's, it's definitely, you know, the, the connection's definitely crazy to think because uh, last week, Banks actually came to town, him and Andy Wilkins. I don't know if he was – if he came through by the time you had finished up. But it was – at the time, Jordan was like, look, I'm going to be in town. I'm, it's me, Wilkins. And he was trying to get Fegley to come because he, I know he told me Fegley had called it a career. We, yeah. And I get there. I was kind of like, yeah, get hold of Josh. He said, nah, man, he big league me. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. Because it's, it's, it's crazy to think because – there was there was a dirty little rumor that Jordan told me that Fegley was looking into, you know, moving to North Carolina and maybe Charlotte. I, I don't know if that ever followed through or not. 
But it was it was it's definitely the great you know, it's always good to catch up with those guys. You know, kind of like what you were talking about with texting Fegley and seeing Simeon. It's kind of just looking back at the old times. And oh, no doubt, no I'm, doubt. Yeah, we, Fort Mill, we had so many good times at the old stadium. So, but I mean, the new stadium is nice as well. Um, I can't lie; it's it's pretty nice being downtown. It it wasn't really really my style um, as far as being in the city, but it is what it is. I, I think it's great. The Knights have moved there and they're having big success there. Yeah. It's, it's to me, you know, the stadium in uptown Charlotte is, you know, it's having the success. It's having the attendance numbers that Fort Mill never had, but overall to me personally, Fort Mill is, is still the place for me. You know, it's, that was my childhood, kind of like what you were talking about, you know, from the guys like Fagley, Deaza, Torres. Uh, I could probably go on. And uh, uh, Harris. Um, what was his name? Willie Harris. Yep, yep. Willie Harris was there. I remember it because my brother was working there. And um, we would go and sit in the rooster's nest by the, the grounds crew shop, and he would pepper the rooster's nest with home run balls and, and BP. Yep. And I, uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Ron Washington came through there with the Braves, I believe. Um, and there was so many. Uh, Podsednik was down for a little while while I was in Fort Mill. And, oh, here's here's one for you. Reggie there Jackson. In, Reggie Jackson in 09 when it was Chambliss' first year, Chris Chambliss. Yep. Yep. And yep. Oh, I, and I got the I got the autograph sitting in my room somewhere. But that was the funniest thing. Me and me and my dad go to try to meet uh, the, the guy's name was Jason Johnson. He was a pitcher for a long time. He he was diabetic. You know, I uh -huh. tried, we went up to, you know, so we get up to Fort Mill, try to meet him, and we knew it was the Yankees team, but we didn't, I didn't think nothing about it. And so we're just sitting there. You know, it's a it's a big crowd. You know, over by the I'm trying to think where. The visiting guys would come out by like right by the edge of the screen behind home plate. Yeah, so I get down there. We're just talking. I'm just talking. Next thing you know, I, I look. You know, I turn to my right. Next thing you know, it's freaking Reggie Jackson walks out of the dugout, and my my the the fifth you know eleven year old in me eyes got so big I sprinted up to my seat. I said, "Dad, give me a sharpie, quick! It's Reggie Jackson." Yeah, also back down there, he signed for me. I was kind of like, "Holy crap, it's Reggie Jackson!" Yep, yep. Oh, that's. Oh yeah. I think me and you both could probably go on for a while about stories in the old Fort Mill Stadium. And so, one, one where I'm going to segue into this next question: what's what's a good story that you'd like to share with the on the podcast here? Um, let's see. I have one good story from the old stadium in Fort Mill, but first of all, I just want to point out that, um, Eddie Alvarez, since the Olympics are going on, yes. uh, he was in Charlotte, I think two years ago. I didn't ever get to go watch him, but I think it's super cool that he was actually the flag bearer for opening ceremonies the other night. And yeah. I have been trying to keep up with, uh, USA baseball's men's team as much as I can. And he's probably one of my favorite players to watch right now. Yeah, um, I just didn't mean to cut you off, but I actually met Eddie a couple of years ago. That 
the dude has a tons of potential. And, I, and, you know, it was it was great seeing him walk, you know, carry the flag out the other night. And Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's special to me. I mean, you know, I really – deep down inside, it was really hard for me to watch because I'm like, I wish that we were in Tokyo. Um, but on the same token, I think it's super cool that they couldn't have picked a better flag bearer and another first representative for USA Baseball um, to hold the flag. So I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, I know it's kind of off topic, but. Oh, you're fine. Cool. Um, going back to, you said one of my favorite stories or times at the stadium. Um, in Fort Mill, uh, Deaza was on the team uh, that I mentioned before. And he's from Venezuela, I believe. Many need to fact check me on that. But he cracked me up one day. We were we were sitting there talking during BP and he used to come down and just like chat our ears up, like all, like just about anything and everything. And uh, one day he came up to me and he was like, you want to know how I made it to the bigs? I was like, yeah, what's your story? Let me know. Let me hear about it. I, I want to know. And he said that he was playing in his hometown and a scout just happened to be there. And he was like, I, I hit a home run, and that was it. They signed me. <laughs> and I said, really, that's all it took? He was like, yep, hit a bump. They signed me. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's always something that just sticks out in my head because it's like I, could, I didn't know whether to believe him or not. I'm like, did that, that really happen? Or, like, are you, are you serious right now? Or is this a joke? And – I don't know. So that, that story always sticks out in my head. And um, there was another one. Um, I don't remember who their Braves player was now off the top of my head. He was uh, one of their stars, like, back in 08, 09. I don't remember. Uh, uh, tell the story. I'm, I, I think about it. He was, I want to say, a second baseman that hurt his back. Kelly Johnson. Uh, no, maybe a third baseman. He was a Latin player. Oh, oh no! Uh, you're uh, you're thinking about uh Prado, Martin Prado. Yes. So Martin Prado was down with uh, Gwinnett, and they were in town, and <laughs> we were getting ready for the game, like setting up the field or whatever, chalking lines and and everything else. And he's out there, um, doing his exercises to get loose before the game, and he was working with a trainer and I just happened to like go be bopping by him and I was like hey I'll trade you and he was like trade me what I said I'll trade you jobs I was like I'll swap with you and he's like he looked at me and he was like really I was like yeah I would absolutely love to be in your position right now like I would much rather be getting paid to play ball than on the grounds crew and he looked at me, he was like, ah, oh, you're crazy. And I was like, all right, see you later, dude. But that was, like, one of the funniest moments, too, because it was like, nah, dude, like, I know you're hurt, but I'd really love to be in your shoes. It's like, I literally will trade spots with you right now. Yeah, yeah, like, I would, I'll, 100%, I'll, like, let's, let's go switch it up right now. I'll give you my job right now. <laughs> I think, I think one of my favorite stories to the, to the day is probably 
overall that 2012 season when they finally made the playoffs again. Yeah. That was that was a fun group of guys to watch. As the as the fan who had been going for many games and interacting with a bunch of the guys, they all they're always you know laid back with me. You know, I'd always, I'd the the bullpen. I'd always walk down to the bullpen just to talk to the guys and the the ushers were like they can't sign autographs during the game. I'm like, oh no, I'm I'm here just to talk to the guys. They know me. And they and they just turn around. Yeah, he's good. That was, yeah. that's always, that was always the funniest thing to me. And, you know, whenever the starting pitchers would chart in the stands, you know, I'd recognize the guy. I'd just go – literally, I would literally walk over there. And I'd do – it's like, it's like uh, my dad called it like a little vulture move. I'd start up at the very top of that section by an home plate or near the lower level, and I'd just kind of creep my way down. And so, yep. then slide my way over. I'm just like, hey, man, so what's the deal with this guy? We just, I just talked baseball with him. He's kind of like, wait, what? Yep, yep. That's the same kind of moves that my mom would help me pull when I was a kid. Like, when we went to Yankee Stadium, she'd, like, watch these two seats the entire game and be like, nobody has sat in those seats. So, about the eighth inning, we would work our way down to those two seats. <laughs> That's the same kind of stuff that, that she would do. It was so funny. But that's all part of it, right? Like you just, as a kid, you just want to be closer to the game, and you just want to, you want to talk to the players and and see what helped them get there. Yeah, you always want to pick their brains and just you know learn, and especially when you're that young, just trying to learn. It, you know, it's all it was always neat just to kind of actually interact with the guys. Yeah. Because yeah, and. I I guess lucky for me, my interaction was probably a little different than, than yours, but like for me, I was on the field. So like whenever BP would start, if some of the coaches needed somebody to warm up then before they pitched to the guys, they'd be like, Hey, Anna, come over here and warm me up. So I'd get to throw with the coaches to warm them up or um, some of the pitchers would always try to get me to come in and warm them up before they threw their bullpens. And I'm like, guys, I can't. Like, this is a bad look for me. Um, sometimes, sometimes I could, but at the end of the day, like, being on the front – I guess technically front office staff and, and being on the field where you can, you're seen, it's not a great look for you. But I didn't care. I was just out there because I wanted to, like you said, pick their brains and, and, and live that lifestyle a little bit, you know. Yeah, and I th I'm sure one of those coaches that you're talking about was old Richard Dotson. Oh, Dot, yep, yep. I, 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 I love that guy. <laughs> He's a man, dude. I love Dot. Him and um, who else? Uh, there was Tomby and uh, Andy Tomlin. Mm -hmm. uh, Chambliss would throw with me some. Um, Juan Nieves. Oh, I forgot about Juan. What about uh, Gary Ward? Uh, I didn't ever have a whole lot of interaction with him, uh, maybe a little bit. But, um, you know, and, and half the time it would just be the coaches if they were – if I just happened to be sitting in the dugout waiting to drag between uh, BP groups or whatever, they'd just grab me and be like, hey, just grab a glove and throw, um, which was super cool. Uh, Heath Phillips used to always try to drag me out to throw with him too. I don't know if you remember Heath. I do. Yeah, he would always be like, Anna, grab a glove. Like, dude, you're gonna get me in trouble. It's like if I lose like, my job, I blame you. 
Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, no, you go ahead. And he's like, you blame it on me. I don't care. Like, all right, well, whenever I get in trouble, I'm telling him to come talk to you. He's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Him and Paul Phillips. Uh, I remember Paul. And then um, who else? There was, I mean, there was quite a few that would just, they were all the time hanging out with us and wanting to, to live the grounds crew life. Meanwhile, we were all wanting to live their life. I'm trying to think of maybe one or two guys. Uh, Derek Rodriguez. I don't remember him off the top of my head. He, he was 08, 09. After 09, he had a torn labrum. Uh, I'll have to pick your brain more about Fort Mill stories next in, in another episode. But while I'm at it, it's time for the cheap plug. Our friend, our friends over at Hatflow, the Hatflow Company in Greenville, South Carolina. They are making some awesome shirts and hats. Uh, they're part. They have partnered up with us for this year's event. Where if you go to their website and use the code SkyToSoftball, you can get a discount on the code. That discount will go towards helping uh, Skyda out. That will and helping the kids at Camp Sweet Escape. Uh, feel, feel free to check them out. Let them know Sky to Softball sent you over. Okay, and so time for the Sky to Softball related questions. So I believe it was, I tried to get you to come in, I think it was 2018 and it didn't quite work out. But in 2019, you finally, you know, we finally got you to come out and be a part of the event. So the question is, do you recall any bit of the first bit of conversation we had when we, you know, when I tried to get you to come be a part of the softball event? Uh, maybe not a whole lot, but in 18, let's see, that would have been the year I went to Australia. So that probably was my reasoning for not being able to come. Um, besides the fact that I was living in Birmingham at the time. So other than that, I don't really remember too much of the conversation. Well, I I remember, I think it was when the Knights did the women in baseball promotion. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we finally just got a chance to introduce each, you know, our, you know, introduce myself to you, kind of putting the name to the face sort of thing. Because I knew I, I knew I had, you know, done a little bit of interacting with you through the softball social media accounts and I kind of thought well she's from Fort Mill and you know maybe we could get this to work out and then I remember in 2019 it was your first year and so do, do you recall any, or what, what would your favorite moment be from that first year in 2019? Uh, I think the first year was the first year y'all had the women's derby right? Mm -hmm. Well duh it's winning the home run derby with Benji Johnson and, I mean, he's like the GOAT, right? Ben, yeah, Benji's the only two-time winner. I think he's kind of hung it up as far as the Derby because me and him talked about it. He said his neck keeps giving him issues. I'm thinking, well, good thing you won two belts already for you not to be, you know, tied with everybody just by winning one. Right. I mean, he's he, like I said, he's the GOAT, you know. Like, he's – he's the one that everybody's after because somebody's got to win more than two now because he set that bar. 
and with this being said, one of the questions I asked Benji, I'm going to ask you, who both men and women's derby do you think will be another the you know two-time winner who would be the next to win another belt who are you know like Benji said he he thinks you'll win one this year not throwing any pressure on you (laughs) (laughs) he's funny he's so funny um you know I uh, last year, I'd hoped to make it to the Derby, but I wasn't able to, um, unfortunately. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I plan to be there this year, and hopefully I can I can win it, you know. But you're starting to bring in better competition, so I'm just going to have to up my game. I, that, that's, that's the fun part of it. So once <laughs> you win one, the competition gets a little bit tougher. So who do, who do you think – I don't know if you've seen the full list yet, but – in the men's derby, you got guys like Kyle Farnsworth, who won the first one, then and Adam Westmoreland, who's won a derby, and the guy last year, Gage Henson, he won it. You know, you got guys like that. So, who do you think either one of those guys could be another two-time winner? I don't know. You know, I'm honestly surprised that Richie didn't win it last year. Me too, honestly. He was kind of – he was my sleeper pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen Richie in years. I grew up playing baseball against him. And then I came bebopping up there and ran into him because he was on my team. And I was like, dude, what? I haven't seen you in years. I had no idea you were going to be out here. And that was kind of cool because I just really wasn't expecting it. And I hadn't checked the roster fully. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, didn't I thought Chad won it last year. Uh, Chad, he, he won a, a a different award. He won a different award, yeah. Okay. Last I don't year. know. I mean, I guess we'll see. I think everybody was kind of relieved that uh, Westmoreland didn't show up la- or couldn't show up last year. You know, dude. Yeah, because I I feel like he's like the standout every year. Usually he is, but uh. One guy I would love to finally see win one is uh, Colby Holmes. He is always oh, – yeah. yeah, Colby, for sure. He, he, I give him a hard time about it, and I think he gets t- he gets a little bit tired of me telling him that he's like a bridesmaid of the men's derby. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, my, money, my money is on Colby this year, and I'm thinking – I'm trying to work up something where the men's derby gets a little more interesting this year. We might go – bracket style, kind of like how, made, you know, MLB does it, you know, make yeah. it. That way we can see who really steps up to the plate and, you know, tries to win the belt. And who knows, maybe Colby does it. Maybe Gage re, or, or, like I said, Farnsworth or Westmoreland win another one. Yeah, no doubt. I mean – the men's is always fun to watch anyways because there's so many powerful guys in that in that group. So. At the end, I, I want to throw one other pick out there. It, it, it's a personal pick for me. It's always Delmar Patterson. Oh, I love Delmar. I tell Delmar, I said, dude, you're so close every year. Yeah. this this Maybe this will be his year. So, if he wins, I might have some biased opinions towards it. <laughs> How can you not? I mean, oh, no, everybody loves Delmar. 
Yeah, he's he's a, such a good dude, and and for him to do the things that he's done is pretty impressive. So, um, you know, I'm yeah. always and especially with him. Didn't mean to cut you off there, but the you know he's gone through. I think this is his fourth round of the non Hodgkin's or Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's yeah. amazing to see that dude come out every year. I know, I know, and that's what I was saying. Like just everything that he's been through. That's how can you not pull for him? It, he's definitely the underdog story that everybody gets behind. No doubt. So lastly, Anna, one of the one of these common questions that I ask everybody. This is your third year now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. What has what's what's it been like to you, you know, being a part of this event, the organization, you know, being being a part of it. What what's it been like in your opinion? You know, I I had my reservations the first year because I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um but, you know, I've really enjoyed it, and I've really just just being able to come out and see everybody and meet new people and especially people in the baseball world and, um, you know, stuff like that. Like last year, I got to meet uh, Jake Wright. He was a super cool dude. Um, you know, and, like, just, just chatting with him in the outfield and – I've just I've enjoyed it so much and I think it's great that y'all do it for such a great cause and you know honestly I just see myself as a regular old person but uh you know you always treat me as if I'm special and have done you know something super cool and I really appreciate that because uh I don't get that very often but um I've just really enjoyed it and I really am grateful for for you giving me the opportunity to be able to come play and and have fun and like I said, make new connections and and meet people and continue seeing people that I've I've met in the past and maintain those connections because, you know, in the long run for me it's it's all about just making those those connections and like Benji, you know, like I message him from time to time and he sent me some ball players bomb and stuff like that. So I think it's super cool because I would have never met him if it wasn't for you. So, yeah, it's it's def, it's always, uh, you know, you talk about it, you haven't done a whole lot. Like I've told you, those freaking Olympic medals are a story to tell about. So, you know, you know, as long as long as long as you feel like, and that's, you know, I tell I tell everybody, and you probably heard me tell you say, you know, I, we're all one big family. I try to treat everybody like their family, like they got something to be proud of. You know, come, you know, whenever I went, whether it's the promoting the player or things like that, I always, you know, I appreciate the compliments. You know, I I try my best to take care of everybody. And I think you do a great job of that. I, you know, you do everything you can to a T for us and uh, to make it easy on us and you know I think that's something that's that everybody appreciates because we don't expect that you know but you always make sure that that the participants are taken care of and you make us feel special and like we are a family and you know I think it's just awesome and and I really 
I really truly do appreciate all that you do for us and and for putting this event on. Uh, well, like I said, you know, I appreciate the compliments, but then, you know, I I probably sound like uh, Dabo Sweeney or you know, all credit to the good man above at the end of the day for, you know, he's giving me you know, diabetes, you know, me having diabetes as a platform to you know help make an impact for others, and I've tried my best to you know keep going as long as I can. I'll probably doing, I'll probably be doing this ball game and probably fall over. <laughs> whenever that time comes, but it's, it's definitely amazing to see, you know, the, the amount of turnouts we have each year and the amount of, especially the, the returning faces, you know, like you, Barnsworth's back for the first time since 2018, uh, you know, Benji, Colby. It's, it's always great to have those guys and girls come together for the one cause I tried to, you know, be an advocate about and oh and with that being said I think everybody's excited about going to Columbia International for the first time on October 9th. Oh yeah absolutely I've never been down there so I'm looking forward to it. And it should be fun and lastly Anna I'm going to let you have the floor here feel free to plug away any social media pages you feel like plugging. Um so on Instagram I'm a Kimbrell 24. Uh, I also have my catching page. That's AK nine underscore catching. Um, I also want to thank hat flow. Like you were saying, uh, they're actually making some sweet hats for me to start selling and, and have as merchandise on my catching page. Um, as well as I'm getting shirts made. So if any of y'all follow me and be looking out for that in the next couple weeks, um, I also want to thank my boy, Eric. He helps me out a lot. Um, he's my hitting partner. Um, and you know, he's a baseball junkie like me. So shout out to him for, for always being there for anything I need. Um, and other than that, thanks for all you do, Matt. I appreciate it. And, uh, looking forward to seeing you in October. And, and like I said, we appreciate you coming on to, to, uh, for this episode. I look forward to having you on here again. And more importantly, looking forward to seeing you come swing the bat on Saturday, October 9th. And for the, for those wanting to follow the Sky to Softball game, follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at Sky to Softball G and Facebook at the Sky to Softball game. Uh, this is this was a definitely a fun episode. So like I said, Anna, thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. And also feel free to look up uh, USA Baseball WNT, which is our women's national team. Well, you heard it from her, Miss Anna Kimbrell, folks. She is the inaugural women's home run derby winner. She's a gold medalist, and she's coming to Sky Softball on October 9th. Thank you all again for listening, and this is the Sky to Softball podcast.